Welcome back, everyone, to an episode of Club Talk. My name is Tyler Zuss. As always, I'm the host for this great podcast, and I just want to wish you and your families a clean bill of health during these quarantine times. I tried something different with the audio levels this time, so it should be improved in the past podcasts. Today, I'm joined by Jamie Walker. He's the food and beverage manager at the Country Club in Pepper Pike, Ohio. He's a Cameron crazy. He's been addicted to Tiger King recently. He has great stories. And most importantly, he's a great guy. So I'd like to formally introduce you to my good friend, Jamie Walker. All right. Well, thank you, Jamie, so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it during these uh, uh, quarantine times. Uh, I guess if you could start off by introducing yourself and what you're doing now in the club industry. Yeah, for sure, Tyler. Thank you for having me on here, first and foremost. Uh, My name is Jamie Walker. I'm the food and beverage manager over at the Country Club right now in Pepper Pike, Ohio. There's actually two of the Country Clubs, the one that's in Brookline, uh, Massachusetts, that people really know. And then, uh, you know, people are starting to put us in the discussion with uh, that club as well. So we're the one located in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Okay. And then... uh... Did I, the March Madness Tournament Championship was yesterday. It would have been. How are you coping with no sports being in the uh, in the world right now? Oh, it's it's awful. It's you know I'm I'm a Duke fan through and through. I'm originally from North Carolina, so you either root for the Tar Heels or you root for the uh, Duke Blue Devils, and you know my uh, blood bleeds dark blue. So um, it's unfortunate that I didn't get to watch them this year. You know they weren't having too great of a season, so that's kind of our. Uh, wheeze away out of it uh, for now but you know we'll get back to it eventually and it's definitely weird that they're not even doing it this year you know growing up in the south you know college basketball is so big and college football is big as well but college basketball itself it's um, I can only imagine my uncles my cousins everybody's just so distraught right now um, <laughs> sports fans for sure now have you have you um, found anything fun to do during this quarantine at all or because I've been struggling to find stuff to do during the day yeah, I mean, you know, I'm trying to keep myself busy here at the club. You know, we have projects that, you know, that are that, that like 90% finish line. So, you know, we're trying to take them slower and slower, incorporate new things in. It definitely gives us some free time and, um, you know, to really do some of the training videos that we've been talking about. It's all the, the big ideas that you always speak about, and it's a good idea at the time. Now is a good time when you have all this downtime uh, to really uh, formulate those and really make them come to life. Uh, so I will say that we are trying to keep ourselves busy here, but um, it's definitely a struggle. Even outside of work, I find myself watching a lot of Netflix. Um, obviously, <laughs> everybody's on the Tiger King craze. Um, I will say that I have become a fanboy of such to it. So uh, really? it's definitely interesting watching uh, you know the show play out how how it has, and you know it's interesting to see uh, the kind of legacy that this individual has left behind now. <laughs> I I actually haven't given it a chance yet. I haven't gotten a chance to go around and watch it yet uh, you, you know you might keep telling yourself that you're not going to do it but i promise you tally that you'll get in eventually um <laughs> i will say that my agm is on it now i will say that a number of different individuals here at the club after you know hearing a couple of us talk about it, it's kind of spread like wildfire to say the least so, i gotta stay off twitter then i'm sure there's a bunch of spoilers <laughs> on there <laughs> but yeah, definitely stay off twitter stay off instagram you know but i'm sure that you'll see a meme here and there uh definitely talking about it <laughs> Now, do does your does the country club do they do anything for March Madness? Do you like give out brackets to the members or their pools or is there anything like that usually or not really? Uh, not exactly for the membership. Uh, we have very traditional style membership. You know, a lot of different generations within the club, but um, you know, the main specified generation is kind of that wiser generation, is how I like to put it. <laughs> um, if I use the other word, it gets me in trouble, so I won't go that route. <laughs> so uh, you know, we do give it out to the staff though. 
Um, the staff seems to enjoy it a lot. We have a bunch of, uh, you know, different mix of college students, uh, teenagers, middle-aged individuals that seem to enjoy it very much. We all throw in five dollars, and you know, I will say last year that uh, one of the other managers that I work with very closely, uh, Faith, she did win. She was a sleeper pick. Um, she did not follow any college sports at all. Um, so for her to win last year, I, I was really, you know, everybody was like, yeah, we're going to get back, we're going to kill it, we're definitely going to do it, uh, we're going to win, and it's like now it's like she still holds that title. Two-time, two-time champion now. You know, yeah, exactly. She automatically wins again, and it's kind of like, oh, man. <laughs> so, well, I just have to wait till next year, I guess. And, um, you know, we had everyone fill one out, and now it's kind of just like, you know, thrown to the waste. We'll see what happens. It's always a new year. It's 2021's looking bright, so right, we'll right. see what happens. You can't get, you got it. It's only up from here, right? Right. Let's just fast forward to 2021. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right. So I'm interested um, if you could maybe explain your club industry journey of, how, I guess, how you started. Maybe uh, maybe it was uh, like your college, if you were in CMAA, or uh, maybe it was your first internship. I'm just wondering how you got to where, what your position is today. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm originally from the mountains of North Carolina, like I said. I went to school at Western Carolina University, a smaller Division One located in the mountains right there in the Appalachian. And I um, actually started out as a physical education uh, major, Tyler. Mm. You know, it's, it's a totally different end of the spectrum, but also so alike at the same time. Um, it requires a lot of coaching, obviously physical activity, but also just being a mentor in general to uh, the generation below you, but also to the individuals around you. So, you know, even though my mindset, of, you know, was still kind of that teaching route, you know, I started to look through the hospitality. Um, so my sophomore year, uh, I was looking for an easy class, you know, with minimal work, normal college student mindset at that age, not really knowing what I wanted to do. And, you know, lo and behold, I came across, do you guys still use RateMyProfessor.com? I do. I still use it. Okay. So I was on there and I found a woman named Sandra Grunwell. And she was apparently known as that teacher that gets no homework. So all the ratings were like five stars. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you need to go to this class. It's an easy A, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, for me, it was kind of just like, oh, I'm immediately sold. Intro to hospitality. Let's do it. Uh, so, you know, I'll be honest with you. I forced six of my other friends to join me in the process decided. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, so it made me feel a little bit easier because I'm not sure if you still do this, but we still have a... Uh, you know, registering for classes parties. That's what we used to do. We used to get like 10 or 15 individuals and we'd sit in the commons and we'd all register for our classes together. Huh. Um, so this was something for us that I was like, hey guys, let's go sign up for this class as soon as it opens up. So, you know, I walk into the first day of class that semester and I won't lie to you, um, there's about 16% of the class that I knew. Um, but you have to remember that Western is a very tight-knit community of 11,000 students. We're surrounded by mountains, one gas station, and one bar. And the next closest Walmart is four miles away. So yeah. to say the least, everybody knows everyone in some form or the other. So, you know, nevertheless, you know, at the end of the class, I obviously was talking to a lot of individuals. And even as the class went on, I found myself uh, being scolded for <laughs> talking to everybody at the beginning of class and forcing class to start 10 minutes later. So, you know, Mrs. Grumwell, as the woman she is, you know, she pulled me up to the side after class one day. And uh, like most students... I was super nervous as far as like what she wanted to talk to me about. I kind of had that idea in the back of my head that it was probably the reason that I was couldn't shut up, <laughs> as you can see through this podcast. But you know, she just wanted to talk to me, and she uh, she looked at me and she said, 
you like to talk, don't you? And I said, yes, I guess that's a good question that I wasn't really expecting. And then she told me, she was like, you know, you fit really well into the club business. So to keep it PG for the podcast, my first reaction was nightclubs, um, uh, to kind of put it in Lamont's terms. Um, I was really confused on what she meant by clubs because I'd never grew up in that type of setting. Um, I, I knew what country clubs were. Um, I knew that they had golf courses, but I didn't know the whole nine yards behind it. So I was like so confused. Nightclubs, like what? Like this woman's <laughs> telling me that I need to go into this business? Like, that's so cool. <laughs> and um, after her burst of laughter was over and after we, you know, laughed about it a little bit um, here and there, she described to me what country clubs were all about. She mentioned to me CMAA um, and if I was interested in joining. And, you know, remember that I'm still a physical education major at this time. I was looking into transferring to something else, but I really wasn't sure what it was. But, you know, I kind of took a leap of faith and put my belief in a woman that uh, would eventually change my life forever, and that was uh, Mrs. Cromwell. So from there, you know, I was looking for an advisor at this point. So there's only four professors that are in the hospitality department, I guess you could say, at Western. So it's pick of the fourth that you would get. And I happened to get Sandra Cromwell, which was a really good thing for me. Um, so it was kind of like fate. You know what I mean? One of those things. So with that being said, came my advisor for the rest of the time. And when I returned that winter, um, she had documents in her hand to sign me up for CMA. You know, I will say that I was very skeptical of signing up for something I had no idea about until about five months ago. And on top of that, it was going to cost me $25 to join. And as you know, I'm sure there's still the same. $25 is a lot. Right, right. Uh, to a student back in college and it's like I'm joining some organization for $25 that and you know this $25 was like $1,000 to me back then you know I could use that $25 for a number of different things right um, but you know after kind of you know told her I needed some time to think about it she immediately fired back okay the university is going to pay for it but to be honest with you I really think that she paid for it um, <laughs> so I'm very grateful that she did that but that really just shows that a tiny bit of who this woman was, how persistent and um, humble she was, and how much she really cared about individuals. So that was my first mentor, you know, kind of going into college, different things like that, that really got me interested in clubs. Uh, she got me involved in CMA, and I, I owe it all to her right now. She had, she actually got me my first internship at Highland Falls Country Club in Cashers, North Carolina, where I worked for a man named Delmas Higgs. Uh, he was the food and beverage director. He's from Memphis, Tennessee. This guy is an incredible human being. Some people think that Tom Brady's the GOAT. I will have to tell you that Delmas Hicks definitely has him beat. <laughs> um, I would definitely recommend anybody that, uh, you know, has the opportunity to work in, you know, the mountains of North Carolina as a smaller club, uh, should go work for this gentleman right here. But yeah, so Delmas Hicks did a lot for my, you know, my, my life as well. The Highland Falls uh, Country Club in general did as well. Um, you know, they were very gracious enough to actually pay for two years of my college through a scholarship that I earned through them through the club foundation. Wow. Um, yeah, so I actually wrote them a paper that uh, ended up winning. I was actually the first student that won the full amount of the scholarship through them, uh, which I'm extremely humbled by. And um, I think that was something for me to where I was kind of like, oh, I actually do have a knack for this industry. Right. So from there, you know, I was able to attend San Antonio World Conference in 2015. I was able to experience the river walk everybody talks about in the Alamo. <laughs> uh, that was actually my first time flying as well. Oh, wow. So CMAA has done numerous things for me other than, um, you know, just my professional career. Jack of you all know, trades. 
Yeah, right? Flying for the first time is interesting. I think that everybody feels that way, but it's super scary. So then CMA also allowed me the opportunity in Western uh, to attend San Diego World Conference in 2016. I'm jealous. Uh, yeah, so that was definitely an experience for me that forever changed my life. That's where I actually met a mentor and friend of mine to this day, Kaylee Abel. Um, Kaylee is someone that I ran into unexpectedly at the career fair. Literally knocked all the papers, all the documents out of her hand and was walking through. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty embarrassing on my end. <laughs> but I will tell you that I did stop and help her pick them up. I didn't keep walking. <laughs> so, you know, I really wasn't looking for an internship at the time. I was looking for some individuals that uh, were my classmates and they were looking for internships and stuff like that. But, you know, me and Kaylee ended up talking for a pretty long while. And if you haven't figured it out yet, uh, Kaylee was actually food and beverage manager here at the Country Club in Cleveland oh. at the time, and I had no idea how she would uh, influence my life forever. And I probably asked her about 47 different times what the name of the club was, <laughs> and she kept telling me the Country Club, and I'm like, no, like I, I, I really want to know the name of the club. Like, you can tell me. Like, I didn't know it was like a secret. <laughs> and um, so I eventually caught on that she was she was serious, the country club. Uh, so, you know, it's a common joke I tell everybody today. Like, because I mean, I still get the same questions. They're like, okay, which country club? And I'm like, the country club, guys. The, the country club. Like, like, if I have to tell you one more time, then I'm just going to get tired of saying it. So, but yeah, in the end, Kaylee persuaded me to take the club management internship. I was a senior in college graduating. So, uh, that's something for me that took a lot of risk because, uh, you know, moving 500 miles away from home to an uncomfortable place is not so much ideal, you know, especially somewhere that's been described as bad luck sports town as far as the Cleveland Browns go, the Indians, right. um, you know, the frozen tundra. I've heard that before. Yeah. You know, it's not the most ideal thing for um, a student. So, but you know, for me, it's something I've always lived by is there's no growth in the comfort zone. The only things I did know that is that you know, I continue to work hard and continue to put my head down and continue to stay humble, then people around me would have taught me the things I needed to know. And I and I think that staying in North Carolina would have um, not been the best things for me to do. So I ended up taking her offer, you know, accepting the internship here at Country. And I will tell you that the internship program is so influential for my career and on. You know, it's really helped shape my future. And it's, and you know, really just continues to help shape my past as well. I'm able to use my experiences and, you know, all the different things that I, that I did uh, to help the new interns every summer because um, obviously I did it. So it's been great. Uh, but now Kaylee obviously works in Druid Hills in Atlanta and um, is doing amazing things there. Henry, who was here as my boss these past four years um, and my mentor, has taught me a number of different things. Has recently moved on to Lakewood Country Club after 16 years of being wow. in this position. So we're very happy for him. And, you know, in January, kind of once he stepped away, Mr. Josie, our GM, who will, ne- who will be retiring in May, actually, after 18 years here. There's a lot of tenure to teammates here. Right, we'll get right. to that later. And then our AGM grant handed the program over to myself, Emily, and Lisa. And it's, it was truly a dream come true at that point. Um, you know, I work alongside of the best individuals in this industry. It's from golf to greens to the clubhouse. Uh, they continue to make the culture here so amazing, Tyler. I, can, I can't really brag about it enough. I think you heard about <laughs> heard about it a lot a couple months ago, but right. I'll remind you again. Um, but, you know, I'm just a small chess piece in the big things that we have going on here. It's everyone that is around me that truly makes this place special. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful to be in the position I am today. So, I was, uh, I was sort of in the same boat as you. Um, I originally 
applied for Ohio University to get into their journalism program because I wanted to be like a, uh, a sports journalist. I was, you know, I'm really interested in sports and the Scripps College here, it's one of the best in the country, so got denied. And uh, I was looking through the catalogs and OU has the, Ohio University has these uh, restaurant, hotel, and tourism on the catalog. I'm like, all right, that sounds cool. I did a pizza shop my senior year of high school, so um, I was sort of already interested. So, um, but I didn't really get into the club industry until my faculty advisor, he, like you said, the $25 was expensive for college students, but to go to a world conference my freshman year, not not being in the CMA for too long, get to pay for the flight, the $200 conference fee, and whatever you want to spend in San Francisco, which is one of the uh, uh, more expensive places in the world to um, live. So um, I took a risk and, you know, I haven't looked back, you know, I haven't even, I didn't even try to uh, transfer into the journalism school again. And, um, and I've been on the board for my student chapter for three years now and probably will be next year as well. So, um, you know, the, the world conferences is like, it, it's, been, it's been the best part of my college, college career. I think uh, those, those conferences are amazing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that definitely obviously resonates with both of us. I mean, everything happens for a reason. Everything falls into place for a reason. I think that, you know, you getting denied it was a blessing in disguise, right? Right, it's right. Led you just so many wonderful things now. And, you know, World Conference is definitely a great way for uh, students to network with other students. But also, I mean, the people that you meet and uh, the friends that you create last a lifetime. And I can truly say that, especially when you go back as now as a professional. I mean, fast forward to where I am. I mean, I still see individuals that you know, I was in line with as students back in 2016, and now they're working at a number of different clubs around the country, and it's so weird because we're on the other side of things now. <laughs> right. uh, that's, but that's the joy of it, and uh, you'll soon experience that soon enough, and we're excited to see where that journey takes you, Tyler. Yeah, so am I, so am I. Okay, so now I um, one of the segments I have on here is club stories, where I ask people, um, either be membership, your staff members, maybe like an event gone wrong or something, um, if you had any, any cool stories to tell, I did do some investigative work here and I texted, um, someone to see if there's any, uh, stories that maybe that she was involved with, with you while, um, this was one of your, uh, workers or interns. Um, <laughs> talking about Jessica? Yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to Jess. But what, what she said was one of the, um, employee parties when she was an intern, she had a planet, um, and it, she said it started pouring, um, rain so hard that everything was flying everywhere. And um, you guys are all soaking wet from chasing down the umbrellas. Do you have any? Do you have any like cool stories, maybe from your time in the club industry? You know, honestly, I totally forgot that that happened because of the number <laughs> of different things that experiences that I've had since then. Um, even though it was a couple of years ago, it was actually yeah, two years ago. So that I mean, that was actually a good one to tell. So um, apparently, this huge like I don't want to call it a tornado, but this storm surge, I guess you could say, came through uh, Cleveland. And it lasted 15 minutes, but the winds got up to, I want to say, like 70 to 80 miles an hour. It was just insane, out of nowhere. And it was sunny right before that, and it was sunny afterwards. Um, so it kind of put it in perspective. That's a, that's a and, Ohio weather for you. Yeah, right? Exactly. And nobody listen to this segment, please. <laughs> um, but uh, to say the least, I mean, you know, we had the Mr. J out there. We had a number of different individuals out there and management running around trying to save all these employee prizes. We had TVs golf clubs, you know, there's uh, beer glass, beer mugs, different things like that, polos that we were giving away. Everybody gets a prize when they come to this employee party, and we have over uh, 100 employees that usually come. So you can only imagine how many prizes were on this table. Um, but that was the number one goal. You know, really just save those. The food is okay. We can remake all of that later on. So, you know, for us, it was 
it was definitely really scary being out there in those type of winds. But, you know, I think the most important thing was to make sure that all those prizes were secure. And yes, I was soaking wet, as she described, the rest of the time that we were there. And immediately after I became dry, everyone decided, thought it would be a good idea to throw me back in the pool. <laughs> um, after I just finished off drying for the last couple of hours. Um, so there's that. And then I was even nice enough to stay after and really just, uh, you know, put some gloves on and help them clean up. I don't know why I did that. Now, <laughs> now looking back on it, but uh, Jess and her internship group were great individuals. Her and Liz and Ben, you know, that was a really fun summer. So that's definitely one of those stories. That's really cool. Thank you for uh, sharing the story. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course. So... I did have a question. Um, if there was anything, did anything happen at the country club when the Cavs won the championship in 2016? I will say that there was no one at the club that night. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, uh, you know, I will, I mean, it's the rumors are true. We're a huge sports town. It, you know, people, um, we try to get people to come to the club on, you know, the big sports game nights and things like that and try to give away all this free food and different things. But, you know, people, they're dedicated. They're downtown. They're at their local bar. They're at the comfort of their home. They want to watch the game in private. They want to watch the game around their friends. And, you know, we try to do our best. But, you know, we had a lot of members downtown that night and, uh, you know, not too many at the club watching the game. And so we actually got out a little bit early and we were fortunate enough. That was my intern summer oh, wow. here in country. So actually the first week I came in, the Cavs were in the playoffs with Golden State. And so uh, I was actually fortunate enough to experience downtown the night that they won. Wow. And I was I was fortunate enough to experience the parade as well the following time. So, you know, coming from a from Hendersonville, North Carolina that has twenty five thousand people in its population and being at a parade that has over one point five million people, it's two opposite ends of the spectrum. I was in pure awe. Very cool. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'm gonna move on to I have a would you rather section uh, segment here too, uh, Club Talk edition. I'll give you two choices and just tell me which one and why. Okay, so the toughest one, I, I already heard your answer earlier, but uh, North Carolina Tar Heels or Duke Blue Devils? Duke Blue Devils all day, Tyler. <laughs> I will represent Duke till the day I die. I would never wear anything Tar Heel blue. I would never even make the bet that it incorporated wearing the team's colors if they were to lose. I would never make that bet because I, would, I wouldn't go out in public if I had to do that, to say the least. <laughs> so if that answers your question. <laughs> right. So is, is that, does that mean you're a big uh, or you're a fan of Kyrie Irving then, since he played in Cleveland and from Duke? Oh yeah, that was um, immediately when I came up here. I actually bought a, a Kyrie Irving Duke jersey, you know, from one of those like Chinese distributors overseas. You know, something that's like super hard to find, but also at the same time it takes like four weeks to get here. Right. Um, but I, ha I had to do it. And ha have you been to any of the Cameron Indoor games at all? Um, I actually have not. That is definitely something on my bucket list. You know, as, as my life transitions and it goes on, I, I know that I will soon have the money to attend one of those, <laughs> but it is very, very expensive and it is very, very exclusive um, to get tickets for a, even a Carolina Duke game, but even getting into Cameron Indoor in general. So, Right, and I, I've heard like uh, um, students like camp out the, in front of the ticket office like days before sometimes to get tickets. Um, yeah, for sure. It to stretches. get those games. It yeah. stretches like half a mile long at some point. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mexican or seafood? Mexican. And the only reason why, most people do not know, uh, but I'm actually half Hispanic. Oh. Um, so I, I don't look it. I don't speak any Spanish or anything like that, so don't ask me to. 
Um, <laughs> but my father is actually of, uh, from Mexico. So. Yeah, I, I say Mexican too, just because uh, you can't really get, at least from where I'm at, you can't get too much good seafood um, in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right, exactly. We're too far away from I tried uh, octopus for the first time last summer, and it was really good. Surprisingly, it surprised me. It was really good. Calamari is—it's uh, definitely an interesting uh, food choice. Uh, we have a lot of members that really like it here. Um, it's one of our staples on the menu. But um, we have a young Rutherford girl, one of our members. Uh, she's twelve or thirteen, but she always orders the calamari when she comes in. Um, but she only wants the rings of the calamari. She doesn't want any of the squids. So. We always have like a special bag in the back with just the rings of the calamari <laughs> ready to fry for her and get it out there. But, you know, that's just one of those small things that, you know, giving back to the membership. So Exactly, exactly. Okay, and then one of my last ones, uh, formal or informal dining? I will tell you that being here at the club, we are the more traditional style. So I think that I would be slapped on the hand if I said informal. Uh, <laughs> only joking, only joking. But... I am transitioning towards the more informal dining. Uh, we did a renovation here about three, four years ago now, time flies, uh, to our outside pool area. Uh, we added a three-season bar, and then we renovated our family dining area um, and our terrace. So uh, that's been a big thing for our future success here at the club and why our membership is on a waiting list now, and it's definitely the prime place to be in Ohio. But, you know, the informal part about it, I think it's the individuals that you know, that are involved in the informal dining that want to come here to kind of be more in that relaxed setting and different things like that. So I think that if that makes sense and as far as like that perspective goes, it's probably the only reason I like it because of the individuals that are using it more. So I, uh, I go the other way. I say informal just because I was a restaurant supervisor last year at the New York Athletic Club and um, I was mainly on the patio where you got to wear um, one of the club shirts, but you also got to wear shorts. And then when I would, when I moved upstairs to the main dining room where it was more formal, I had to wear a suit and tie, and I just felt more comfortable wearing the wearing the shorts and uh, and the shirt. But it was also more fast paced, and I got to be more hands on with my staff, and I got to just have, I think make more of an impact um, on the inform just because it was more it was more things moving in motion and more things that I could do than just um, uh, on the formal side. So this one this one isn't a would you rather, but I have a question. Uh, if you have, like, a favorite basketball player of all time. Favorite basketball player of all time. I, you know, I'm going to have to say J.J. Redick. Duke I, guy, right? Yeah, big Duke guy. So I think that through and through I would I would be going against it if I said Michael Jordan, who is also from North Carolina. But I would have to say J.J. Redick only because, you know, it's just his mannerisms and the way that he played and his confidence. And he just didn't take anything from anyone. He was the smallest guy on the court, but... Um, I think that he really started that, you know, the three-ball transition. And now you see all these players that are, you know, like Steph Curry, James Harden, you know, Russell Westbrook. Right. Um, all these players really transitioning to shooting threes and different things and scoring all these points. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I really think that J.J. Reich was the catalyst for that. The guy's insane. Now, do, do you insane. listen to his podcast at all? I do not. I didn't even know he had a podcast. He has a really cool podcast on the on the Ringer Network. It's really good. I have to check that out for sure. Very good. Okay. Um, so moving on, do you have any advice for maybe either students going to their first internship or maybe students that are graduating this year going into the workforce? Yeah, so I have a, actually a list of five things that I can just think off the top of my head and something that you know is really helpful for me and when I first started in my career. 
um, transitioning to where I'm at now. So the first one would be uh, readers are leaders. It was something that I was told to by a couple of my mentors, Preston Smith and Henry Wise, early in my career. And it's, you know, reading for me wasn't such a big thing, especially uh, through high school and college. It was just the last thing that was on my mind. But, you know, I really do believe that knowledge is power. And, you know, whether that's reading 10 to 15 pages a day, I think that that really could help, you know, help your career out, but also help you build some self-discipline at the same time. So um, that's the first thing. Second thing, I would say stick to your values and live by them. You know, practice what you preach and live by those values at the same time, because that's how truly, really, people start to buy into what you're doing and the system and the culture that you want to um, evoke out of these individuals. So just stay true to yourself, because that's that's the best version of who you are. Don't try to be someone else. Develop good habits. Live as if someone is always watching you. I think that habits are created daily, uh, but they also require a lot of self-discipline. You know, you have those days where you really don't want to get up out of bed and really do those things that you, you know, maybe read those 10 pages out of a book or, you know, do something for your job or something like that. But um, I think that once you kind of start to do them every day and you start to work at them and um, you develop those habits, then it's really going to it's going to, your career is going to take over, to say the least. I think that ultimately you need to find a mentor uh, when you first start out or be proactive enough in college with somebody in the industry throughout your internships because uh, those mentors are giving you advice that's invaluable and help put you in a place to grow. And uh, But they're also going to shoot it to you straight. And what I mean by that is that they're not going to sugarcoat anything. They're going to tell you what you need to hear. And I think that that goes for both professional and personal obstacles throughout your young career that you're going to experience. And if you don't have someone to talk to it about, your inner thoughts are going to beat you up. I think it's good to have a support system like that that can help you um, help you relate. Maybe it's something they went through, but I think you kind of understand where I'm going with that. And then lastly, I think that's the biggest word of advice I can give to anyone. Never give up on yourself. You'll be knocked down time and time again when you first start. There'll be things that you think that you can't do right. Uh, there'll be mistakes that you make that will beat yourself up about and that you think that you could have done better and you'll replay that image over and over again and you'll try to accomplish it again in the same sort of, uh, I guess, limelight that um, you want to do it. But, you know, you really just have to persevere when the going gets tough. It's, it's so important to show people that failure doesn't define who you are at the end of the day because you are going to fail, but it's all about getting up and showing people that you can do it again and not show that that embarrassment got to you or show people that you really got it in you because people want someone that's going to fight for your organization and culture and not someone that's just going to give up and walk away. So, and, and you, the mentor thing is, um, what CMA has done this past, uh, world conference, they've done this mentorship program, uh, the mentorship program where, uh, you would sign up say, if you want to be a mentee and, uh, they would give you, they would handpick a mentor for you. So um, this past year, um, I was with Carl Habib. He's a GM at the Silver Spring Country Club in Connecticut, and uh, he was he was easily probably the best mentor I could have gotten because um, I'm really trying to get more into wine because I know uh, maybe developing a wine list or just trying to improve the the wine at the country club is big. Um, the liquor sales are also a big portion of the revenue that you get. So um, he was on the wine society, and he I was actually the only student able to go to the wine society lunch because. He was able to get me in, and I got to ask a bunch of questions. And he was also a god at getting tickets for the for a student <laughs> chapter. Um, he, he was the goat. Yeah, yeah, he got us a bunch. 
So I'm really thankful for Carl, but I think CMA is doing a really good thing with that mentorship program. Well, hopefully they do it next year too, because without Carl, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the things that I went to conference for. I went to a lot of sessions with him. Um, like I said, the Wine Society launch, but he helped me in a lot of different aspects too, where he got to, uh, I walked around with him at the vendor, at the vendor show and he knew so many people that I got to meet and uh, it was just cool how many connections he had. So, uh, like you said, I think a mentor would be huge for students. Um, you know, and, and that mentorship program is something that every student should probably do next year, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that CMA is definitely built upon. And, you know, it's good that they're starting to incorporate the young professionals and kind of, you know, building that bridge uh, between the gap of, you know, the GMs that are been in the industry a while, but, you know, also the younger GMs that are coming into the industry. But, you know, like you said, I think that really resonates with me is when you're walking around with them, you're getting to know people. It really just goes to show about who you know and not what you know, because once you find somebody that has that kind of influence and that can help you transpire your career into something bigger that you never thought you could have, they're willing to teach you everything. And they're willing to guide you. And they're willing to help you create this roadmap. Because maybe you know where you want to go, but it's about the journey on how you're going to get there. What path are you going to choose? Because there's going to be numerous paths that you can go. There's going to be numerous forks in the road. And it's good to have someone to help you distinguish what's right and what's not right. So, right, and I 100% agree. Uh, so speaking speaking about conference, um, the past few times I've been to the internship uh, career fair walking around, I've seen the country club there. Um, what what goes into preparing for that um, for the, the career fair? But also, do you have to prepare for anything before you leave when you go to the world conferences? Yeah. So um, you know, this is actually I actually dealt with it a, a bit over the past three years before. Um, I recently um, got into this new position. So, you know, the, all the different things that go into it, it's it's months and months of planning, you know, as far as, you know, college visits, different things like that. You almost seem like you're like, you're going around and picking your defensive line uh, for your <laughs> college, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to all these high schools and different things like that. But all jokes aside, it's a lot of fun and a lot of preparation. I mean, you're having to make sure that you're updating all the documents to say the following year. It's all about attention to detail. It's how much can you make your your area really stand out to that student and really make it inviting and comfortable for that individual. But obviously, that creates a, that's a lot of creative thinking that, uh, through a team. So even this year, I mean, we started back in October, and we really put one of our teammates, uh, one of our servers, Aiden, in the best place to succeed. And she uh, she's actually a graphic designer by heart. She uh-huh. has her own LLC. So it's really good to have her on our team. And uh, we were able to you know, put her in a place where she can create a banner for us and really make it look awesome. And, um, you know, normally that kind of stuff would cost you a lot of money. And, you know, we're on a limited budget here. So, you know, for that, it's kind of what can you get out of the people that are around you and work with them and develop these relationships where they're more susceptible to help you later on. And I think that's worked out really well for myself, Emily, and Lisa um, now because we've built all these different relationships with all these different individuals on our team. And we have such a great team that has so much knowledge and um, we understand that we're not the smartest people in the room, but we're definitely going to use the smartest people to help us create something bigger. So um, it was definitely a team effort, to say the least. And, you know, the banner, the stand, contacting CMAA, letting them know that you want to reserve a table, but even the numerous things leading up to it, like I said, the college visits. Um, it's a lot of hours that go into it, but it's all worth it in the end uh, because we're just giving back to the industry. We're giving back to something we love, something that we're passionate about. At the end of the day, it makes it really easy to do 
um, so it's not as stressful. Um, so you can really just focus on the other administrative things at your club at the same time. But everybody plays a huge part. And uh, I guess I guess this next question probably is the blend of the um, past question and this one. When you're, I guess, when you and your staff are there at the at the career fair, is there something that you look for in students when you talk to them before, um, say like say like the first time you talk to them and whether it makes you a decision whether to set up like an interview with them at all? Um, I think it's, you know, it's really just, you know, I think that you always have to think is that half of our job, 50% of it is personality, right? So with that being said, we are looking for individuals that are going to bring that energy. We're looking for individuals that you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the smartest person. Don't try to act like, you know this and this and you've worked here and here because at the end of the day every club is different every club runs different there's going to be different personalities within every club and it's about how you manage all those different personalities to make it work and so what i'm trying to get at yes experience is good but to be honest it's about how teachable you are am i going to be able to to give you a task and yes you fail but are you going to continue to make excuses for why you failed or are you going to tell me you're going to do better next time and I want those people that are going to tell me that they're going to do better next time because it's not about the mistake you made. It's about what you're learning from it. And that's what we really look for in individuals, that people that are going to be teachable, that right. bring that great energy to the team, and that are going to help us help them learn. Because if we can't help you learn, then what's the point of doing an internship? Right. And and something um, – this wasn't at a, uh, um, a country club, but I was at a hotel for a class um, on, a, on a field trip. And they basically said, you know, um, we hire sometimes based on personality. You know, obviously you have to be like you have to have a resume with the uh, experience. But he said that I can train anybody to run a hotel, but I can't train you how to be nice. Um, exactly. And that was something that resonated with me. Uh, uh, my freshman year and my very first hospitality class, uh, one of the quotes that my professor had was, it's not a food business, it's a, uh, it's a people business. So, you know, those two things and. Um, absolutely what you said because in my in my eyes like when I first talk to those managers at the career fair it's like an interview before the interview because um, you have to be you have to be yourself but you also have to get a good first impression um, in order to get like maybe a second uh, or a first even first interview with them so but one piece of advice from me from that last question would be is that on the CMA website there's a list of internships on the website even before conference starts and so what I did was I, I applied to a bunch of the internships um, before one of the one of the uh, internships I applied for um, at Oklahoma City Golf and Country Club, uh, Valley, the the clubhouse manager there. She's now like one of the closest people that I think I got to at conference just because I reached out to them and I interviewed with them and I was really close to picking them. Um, but I went to so many education sessions with them and um, I just think it'd be good for students to get that opportunity because, you know, th- there's a limited amount of clubs at that career fair and there's so many students so i think because that was something i saw as well just a piece of advice i would have yeah for sure and i think that's also important to i think to recognize what you're saying as well is that you know don't be scared to reach out to individuals constantly i think that regardless if that is posted up 10 months away from the next conference or the month before conference um that's something i guess as employers looking for internships or you know, club managers, the big thing about it is that we want somebody that's that's ready to go. And we want someone that's going to continue to put themselves out there, take risk, because this is what this industry is about. You have the freedom um, to run your own programs. You're not owned 
by a corporation that are making you use the same menu designs that are making you do the same thing that these other clubs are doing around the country. You have all this freedom to do what you want. And I think that that's where it starts is, you know, you're really showing that, you know, that persistence that, hey, I want to be somebody someday. I'm willing to reach out to you. Maybe I'll get a no. Maybe you won't respond. But at least I think it's satisfying enough knowing that at least you reached out because regardless if you reached out to 50 individuals only one replied that one person it could just change your life tremendously is what i'm trying to get at um so never be afraid to do that right yeah 100% agree with you for sure and the last question i have for you um is how has this coronavirus impacted um your club and how do you think it's impacted the industry as a whole yeah so great question so that our club as a whole the country club shuts down for three weeks every year um, anyways, we shut down for a cleanup to finish projects that are not done yet, performance reviews, and just to tidy up and maintenance some different things here and there. So we actually planned our shutdown from March 9th to March 31st this year. Wow. Um, so if you put that in the perspective of everything when this whirlwind started, we were in the midst of our shutdown. So our employees had already prepared to be on the shutdown. They were using vacation, um, different things like that. So we we're in a very unique situation from other clubs. Uh, probably the only club that was on a shutdown (laughs) during that time. So we had actually more time to prepare. On the other side of things, we're very fortunate to have 600-plus members who care about their club and the employees working for it. Um, So we're actually paying our staff to stay home right now. You know, we're running a carry-out service right now that actually started last Wednesday. It runs Wednesday through Sunday, 2 to 8 p.m., but it's only management and some back-of-house individuals working right now. I would say that probably we have 12 people inside the building. Uh, we follow all the proper procedures as far as temperature taking, social distancing, and um, continue to sanitize areas continuously throughout the day. We actually schedule one person just to do that sanitized uh, process. So we're following all the proper things. Um, we've only been open for a week now, but we've had tremendous results. We have members calling back, telling us how great it was, different things like that. But, you know, on the other side of things, myself, Emily, Lisa, Grant, uh, Mr. J, we're, we're continuing to contact the staff across the board. I find myself personally texting five to ten teammates a day just asking what they're doing uh, but it's it's just really weird going and spending every day with these individuals and now not seeing them for almost a month it definitely makes you grateful for what you have and we're really excited to just get back into the fold and like a lot of other clubs are probably in a weird way a good thing for our world because i do think that we were going towards a path of ungratefulness for what we had especially in america you know i think our society took a lot of things for granted and now it's all been taken away from us so i do think that optimistically a lot of people will come out of this more grateful for their jobs and more grateful to you know just to be able to step outside and do the things that they normally love to do as far as going out to eat um the little things so in that aspect as far as the private club industry it's strong our industry is one of the strongest industries that i know when we come together it's like you know there might only be 5,000 of us out there, but when we're together, it feels like there's 100,000 of us. We're loud, we speak our minds, and you know we, we get to service the 1% of the population, I guess you could say very wealthy individuals. Um, so we do deal with a lot of different personalities in that aspect, but um, I see a lot of great things on LinkedIn from our colleagues and how they're incorporating all these ideas. That's the great thing about our business. We're always sharing our ideas as well. And so we have incorporated some of those ideas into our club and what we're doing right now. And it's been very successful for us. And, you know, we're all in this together. It hurts to see that some clubs are not doing as well during this time. And, you know, we're going to continue to pray for them and 
hope that they can come out of this stronger than ever. You know, people fail to realize that in January and through April, a lot of individuals are transitioning into new positions. I should even say January to May, even from a student perspective. People are transitioning into new positions, and for anyone to come into this type of situation is very, very unfamiliar. If you would have asked me that if I would have came into this my first year running the department, I would have thought you were crazy. But obviously, this is where I'm at now, so from my perspective, I'd like people to know that, yeah, it's hard, and yes, it might be hard to stay positive, but there will be a time when we come out of this. Our lives will forever be impacted by this virus. It's going to change things through our walk of life. It's going to change the handshakes that we're giving people, the hugs that we give our members. But people need to remember that this virus does not define our cultures and our clubs and the people inside it. We are in a business that is ever-changing to begin with, and it requires us to be adaptable constantly. So what we need to do now is be adaptable to this and continue to be optimistic for not only ourselves and our families, for the individuals who continue to believe in all of us. We need to continue to be the people that we would want to work for because when all this is said and done, people are going to be looking for jobs and they're going to be looking for individuals they want to work for and not for people that were, you know, with their tail between their legs when all this was going down. That's kind of, that's my TED talk. (laughs) But yeah, you know, great insight from a, from a manager perspective that I didn't have before. So that was actually the last question I had for you. I actually, at the end of the, at the end of my last questions, I have this um, flip the script where I give you um, the time if you have any questions for me. Um, but if not, I really uh, thank you the time for coming on the podcast. Tyler, I actually do have, I have three questions for you, all right? All right, let's do um, it. I think this will be good for, um, you know, the students and the, you know, the colleagues that you'll be, you know, representing and different things in the future. So why have you chosen going into clubs as your profession? I actually chose it because I fell in love serving the members and being able to know their order when they first came in um, and seeing their families throughout the time. So at my time at Piping Rock Country Club, I was an expediter during the day, but I didn't really get to interact with the members as much. But when I was a server at night, I was tasked with serving members tables. And, you know, I, I just loved talking to them. They were more interested in knowing me than I was at them at the beginning. I still know Mrs. Parsons and Mr. and Mrs. Parsons today. Um, they were really great to me. And when their families came in, I would always love getting to meet them as well. Um, and it, I just love it's different than a restaurant where you don't like at a restaurant, you see different people every day, but in the memberships, you know, that they just care so much about you. And, um, I just like seeing that energy being reciprocated all around. And, but also I enjoyed working with the team. I always found myself looking over my shoulder at other people's at my other servers tables, seeing how they were doing the mine. Um, and I just really helped, I uh, loved helping them out. So, um, I just think the team aspect, but also the membership is probably the number uh, one and two reasons for me. It's crazy, yeah. I think that that's um, awesome coming from you. So what do you expect to get out of this industry? Uh, I, I expect out of the industry as a whole. I mean, I think my goal is to eventually run my own club as a general manager. Um, so I hope to gain uh, financial uh, skills from this, but also you know more leadership and, and more confidence in general because – that was the one thing that my manager last year came to me is uh, I was a really bad supervisor in the first couple of weeks because it was my first leadership role um, in a club and I'm not really the most outgoing person. Um, I'm more shy and introverted in the beginning. So, but it took me a couple of weeks to know all my servers on a personal level and go around to the uh, the chefs and the back of the house staff, um, even the stewards. So, um, to get out of it, I think I want to get out of leadership skills, financial skills. Um, but also more connections in the world when I retire through membership, probably. 
Okay, well, I think that you um, answered my last question when I was going to ask what you want to put into it because you've already answered it. So um, I would continue to encourage you to continue to build on those relationships when you first get into it because the more relationships that you can create, the more comfortable you're going to feel making the decisions, the big decisions that you need to make. And I think that that's going to help you tremendously. But it's getting to know them not only on a professional basis, but also finding that delicate balance to get to know them on a personal basis. Keep up with their school. Keep up with who they are outside of work because they want someone that truly cares about them. They want they don't want it to feel like they're just coming into work every day. They want to be a part of something bigger. And you have that power to make them feel that way. Definitely. And uh, so, you know, if that, if that was the last one, you know, um, Jamie, you know, I really appreciate it. And I'll have to get you hooked up with the JJ Reddick podcast too soon. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tyler. This has been a pleasure of mine. And um, I hope everyone enjoys listening to it. And listen, let me know if you have anything in the future, okay? Sure, no problem, Jamie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir.